Welcome to Drinking and Talking with your host, Vincent Franconi. I'm looking at a Jeremy T. Wilson story called uh, Leaving Charity, and uh, it kind of ends with this uh, beautiful, like, here's an example of what I think is a really beautiful passage that just kind of like, you know, does that great thing where it just shoots itself nicely at the end in the foot. Yeah. I mean, like, you're right, this whole, like, it's, it's really beautiful. The sky was half dark, a deep blue curtain closing down the day, ending the show and faded and far away. I mean, it's poetry. And then it goes all the way to like, you know, um, like long twisted lengths of film, ribboning out in curls of color, orange, purple, lipstick peak, stretching and unfurling, pressing to stay lit up on screen, illuminated forever against the darkening of the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that ending always kind of like, I laughed very hard when I read that. So like, you know, yeah, I did. So like, you know, what's the instinct behind that? Well, I mean, like, that's, this is a good thing to point to and, you know, as a good transition in our conversation to, sure. like, to, to what you're talking about. Um, I mean, in the story, his buddy is a guy who talks that way, right? He's always, like, um, trying to enhance his stories right. in ways that are filled with, um sort of these theatrical descriptions so through the course of the story he's he's having him he's having him film him like go around as he's getting ready to leave town and so every time he's filming him he's giving these really like outrageous talks into the camera right, right? and so at this point it's sort of him doing his it's like seeing something that that makes him realize what his friend is doing all the time but at the same time he can't go that far right right because he just can't right and so that's where it ends he's like this is all just bullshit i don't talk this way yeah right yeah kind of like it so makes that's, sense that's but kind it's, of it's it's similar to what we're talking about like his realization his descriptions there are are real and false because like he's really seeing them and he's really getting into it but that's not him and he recognizes that. Right. Even though he might, at that point, wish he could be that way. Right? Yeah. So I, there's a push-pull there. So, I mean, also, like, if you're looking at what's happening as his friend is driving away. Right. He's, like, he's staying put. So it's it's almost like I see, I see him pulling him in that direction. And then the farther he gets away, the more he has to stay. Like, he's... Yeah. He realizes that I'm not I'm not him. I can't leave my hometown. I can't talk this way. I can't do the things that he's doing. So I don't want to give you a compliment because, you know, because fuck you. Well, well, right. Yeah, well, well, well. But I will for a second. This is not a linear. This doesn't make sense. Um, and, it, and there's no real clear connection to what this made me think of. But when I say this, I'm going to say this and you're going to be like, oh, it's a compliment. <laughs> uh, which is it, it kind of like, like the whole idea of the dialogue and the... The, the shift, like the abrupt shift, reminded me very much of a story that I know is a, like the ultimate MFA taught craft. This is how you write a story story, uh, which is the Tobias Wolf. Uh, is it Bullet in the Brain, Bullet in the Head? Yeah, Bullet in the Brain. Bullet in the Brain, which is a really great story. I so mean, good. It's, it's, it's just untouchably great in my mind uh, because the first half of it is just such a story about the falsity of dialogue and how yeah. absurd people, like how shitty it is people talk. Do so you ever read Bullet in the Brain? Um, it's a story about a bank robbery largely uh, and there's a literary critic in the bank and he's listening to the like cliche dialogue of the bank robbers as they're saying shit like you know like, I don't even remember what they say but it's like get your mitts in the air and he's just like laughing because he's like oh it's it calls him it calls him bright boy yeah like yeah. from uh, what's it from it's from a uh, uh, it's from a movie that was made from a Hemingway story, I think. The Killers. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, The Killers. Isn't, that, isn't Bright Boy from yeah. The Killers? Yeah, I believe I think so. that's what it's from. Anyway. And it's just such like, a, like, the first half of it is just such a funny story about, like, a literary critic criticizing real dialogue he hears at a bank robbery. And it's, you know, you feel like as a writer, Tobias will have a little fun yeah. at the expense yeah. of critics. Yeah. And then it, like, and then he gets, you know, spoiler alert, he gets shot. Well, it is called Bullet in the Brain. It's not yeah, it's much, not much of, of a spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, you know, spoilers are bullshit. They don't give a fuck. Spoiled, fuck you. 
uh, read it. It's great. And then, you know, the last part of the story is just like this beautiful, oh my God. amazingly written, like all the electrons are firing and he's having memories in his last seconds of life. And it's just beautiful, beautiful yeah, writing. It, it is, it is amazing. And, um, it's when that happens, he describes what he doesn't remember. And so he's telling you about his life by way of the things so that he doesn't, he doesn't remember. remember. He's like, he didn't remember this, this and this and that. Yeah. And it's all like these things that you expect him to remember, which is about his family yeah. and about his first wife. But then the thing he does remember is when language was pure. Yeah. Right? Because it's, and this is back to the Southern thing. Like, I love this story so much, it makes me cry every time I get to the ending. But what he remembers is like playing baseball. And one of his friend's cousins, who was from the South, who was saying, like, shortstop is the best position they is. And, like, that's what he remembers, the fact that he said they is. They is, yeah. And it's, like, this love of, like, how awesome language can be, right? And how, like, that's when it was pure to this. So he had... Like, it makes sense as a connecting idea. Yeah, right. But it's such a shift. It is. It's a story that's... It's a huge shift. And it feels like it breaks a rule. They're like, oh, you shouldn't do that, but it's so great. I tell you, the first time I ever heard... It breaks a ton of rules. Because also at the point that he gets shot, like, the the narration turns into this, like, crazy omniscient narration that's like, this is the speed of the bullet as it goes through the brain. It's like all this scientific shit. It has so many different registers that it, it is like yeah, I mean it's it's almost like you could show that to someone and say don't do any of this because you'll never make it work I can't imagine how he pulled it off I, it's just so when that book came out in the 90s um, like I was really into Bi- Tobias Wolf I'd read all of his books and that was his newest collection when it came out and uh, I hadn't gotten it yet my friend Chris who's been on the podcast Chris Mello the great comic book writer he bought it before I did and he read the book he called me up. It was really late at night. He called me. He was, at the time, I think he was probably my best friend. We were really tight. You know, we still are really tight, but like, I don't need to be in Portland now. But uh, it was the kind of thing that like, I wouldn't imagine anybody would do to me at, at this age of my life. But in your 20s, when you're just like young and literary crazy and, you know, you've got friends like that, he called me like in the middle of the night and he's like, I got to read this story to you right now over the phone. Yeah. And he read the fucking thing over the phone to me. And I just remember like listening to everything and he read it really well. He just yeah. nailed it. And I was just like, I didn't even know what to say when it was over. I was yeah. just like, dude, thank you. Right. And like a week later, Tobias Wolf came to Chicago and I saw him read. And I was oh, like, I hope he reads he read that. Did he read no, it? No, no, he read Flyboys, which is okay. another great story. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's great. Yeah, I remember thinking, I, I, he was not what I expected, but like, Tobias Wolf is like a literate John Wayne. Yeah. I mean, his voice is so yeah. commanding like that. You know who else reads that story really great is um, Jeffrey. On yeah. the, uh, you know, the New Yorker fiction podcast where they have yeah. people um, like pick a story from the yeah, archives. Yeah, they read it. Well, T.C. Boyle picked that story. So, if you don't want to read the story, go listen to T.C. Boyle read the story. Interesting. And it is. He reads it great. I mean, like, you wouldn't expect that. Like, yeah. I was a little worried. But uh, he does it, he does it fantastic. I th- sometimes I think people reading other people's stories is really even better. Yeah. I read, so, speaking of the New Yorker podcast, I don't know who the woman is who read Pet Milk. Uh, yeah. But did you hear that podcast? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Now also one of my favorites. I know, you like yeah. that. You know, you love that. You mentioned yeah. that you're reading. And I know Dieback's a, a teacher of your yeah. influence. Uh, but when she read it, I was, I, I really, I hadn't read that story again since the 90s. Uh, but when I heard her read it, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty beautiful. Yeah, no, she did a great she job. She really did kind of nail, like, she read it pretty compellingly. Yeah. I think sometimes it's just, I think sometimes it's just easier to, like, when you fall in love with someone else's story, I think, I think it's just a different reading experience, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're not self-critical. Yeah. You're, you're more open to the possibilities of like what that reading can be, you know? And I think sometimes it just really shows that love, I think just really shows. And I think why, that's, that's why sometimes when we hear other authors read other author stories that it, it just, you can feel that. That's one thing I love about that New Yorker fiction. Oh, I love that podcast. Like, I, mean, I love the poetry so podcast too. Yeah. But like you, you get to hear authors like, like that, that love just comes out, right? You know, even and and you, you get to hear that. There's it's, only a handful nice. of stories I can think of that uh, ever inspired that sort of like rereading and devotion and, and sort of making it your own by reading it yeah. uh, again and again. Yeah, where it feels like it's not your story, but you really feel a sort of ownership of it or possession yeah. of it. Like you've digested it. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting but, that you but said it, it should be that way, right? I mean, oh, yeah. there shouldn't be like you know you shouldn't have 
you know, 50 stories in your mind that you feel that way about. No, I don't, I don't feel handful. like, yeah. There's a handful of poems, there's a handful of novels. And I think there's about seven novels I could point to and uh, maybe like a couple short stories and maybe a dozen or so. Poems. That's okay. Like yeah, that's, that's your right. core thing that you go back to. Like, like the, it's the stuff that you feel like same thing with music like there are records where I'll listen to it and I just go I know this isn't you know my record I could never write this or, or this isn't something that I know it's something a lot of people like but it means something more to me than I can really articulate and there's only about maybe like you know a dozen records that I can say that about and I can usually point to some weird thing that means that, like you know has a very tangential connection to it. Yeah. Uh, like I was listening to this record at this point in my life. Yeah. But I think that's like the thing about art that's really great is like, and I think music and literature are both like this. It's like, this is a thing I was into at this time. Mm-hmm. It always bring me back to that place, and it's great to measure like who I was then yeah. versus who I am now. Yeah. And uh, some stories, especially the stuff I read in the '90s, which is when I was really like absorbing a lot of this shit for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I still kind of go back to. Yeah. Even though I know there's better things out there. Yeah. I mean, mu- music is, like, much more like that, I think. Music to me, is, yeah. at least. You know. That's why I think... I'm at the... I, I don't know how, how old are you, if you want I am Hank Aaron's number. Well, I don't know, but I'm not a baseball player. Well, too bad. Okay, but... <laughs> assuming you're pushing 40? No, you're probably in your 30s. No, I'm not. Are you really? Are you over 40? Do you want to look this up right now? Okay, I, I'll give I, you another one. I'm Anthony Rizzo's number. Dude, I know you want to know everything. There's a blank sheet of paper here, and that's everything I know about baseball. It's not true because my dad is such a baseball fanatic, and my brother that I know a little bit about baseball, but I don't know that shit. Okay, I'm 44. What? 44. Shit. Yeah, yeah see? Really? Okay. You're a little older than I thought. Well, that's, so, okay. That's good. Are you at the age that now that I'm uh, where I am, where um, you're only going to. You're only going to embrace or, or maybe connect to the music that you've connected to 20, 10 years ago? Um, not, not exclusively, but I do feel like, um, I do feel like things start to narrow, you know, I, yeah. you know, like 10, 12 years ago, I would put together like a list of like my favorite albums of the year. And, and now it would just be like, you know everything you would expect from a 44 year old white <laughs> suburban dude it's like jeff tweedy uh-huh you know and like i mean cat power i mean you know it's cat like, power wow yeah. i've heard that but like i've listened to cat power for like forever so it's the same thing it's That's like interesting. I mean, it's not i mean so i'm i'm like it tends to be the same things that yes. just keep coming back up and i mean yes. i still try to listen to new music my wife is much better about that than i am <clears throat> so most new music that comes into our house is from her she's like still much better about bringing things up. but yeah i don't know i just think that's kind of inevitable right you're just sort of like I'm not proud of it, but you know, it's just I'm sort not of, boasting I, about yeah, it. Either. It's not a great thing, but like, but I don't understand. But Cardi Jeff album is really good, by the way. I'm sure. <laughs> Do you know that I I, I used to in, when I was at Northwestern, I interned for uh, Words Without Borders. Yeah. Uh, Susan Harris is uh, was the editor, mm-hmm. and she has a lot of pet rabbits. And uh, I guess she lives in the same neighborhood as Jeff Tweedy. Okay. And she had a there was a block party, and uh, Jeff Tweedy pet one of her rabbits, and the rabbit bit him on his fucking like uh, left hand, where I guess this is guitar strumming. No, strumming his fretting hand. Uh-huh. And uh, she was like, I she thought she ruined his career. <laughs> and I sort of like made a joke because I I liked Jeff Tweedy, but at the time I was just like, everybody and their sister was telling me to go listen to Wilco, yeah. and I was kind of like, fuck you. I'm, and so I said, oh, well, yeah, it's a good thing. Maybe you stopped him before he sucks. Because, <laughs> you know, he's not going to do better than Yankee Foxtrot, you know, whatever that fucking record was called. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. That's the one, yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. not true. I know he's, he's actually right. He's great. I mean, but he's another person that goes back to what we were talking about. Like, I mean, yeah, there's some things that he's done that have sucked. Um, that's I okay. I'm close enough, but yeah. yeah. Jeff knows. Yeah, but that's okay. Like he can, and suck. that's okay. But he's earned he it. Doesn't suck. He? Yeah, but he, he also like, doesn't. You know, but he also doesn't stop. That's what I like. I mean, he just okay. doesn't stop. Like the Wilco album before last year's. I think it was last year's. Um, Wilco the album, or no, that was either way. That, that one, album was terrible. Yeah, but the one that came after that, like the one, what's it called? It's got like a. It's got like a rhyming title. Um, oh, I know the one you're talking about. I read a review of it. 
Anyway, way, it yeah. was good. Yeah. So like they, it was terrible, right? Terrible album. Like maybe it was Star Wars or the yes, one that, Star, yeah, yeah, Star yeah, Wars yeah, I yeah, think yeah. is just trash, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe I need to listen to it again. But like, but then, Wilco Schmilko. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Uh, Schmilko yeah. I think is really good. Really? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, didn't like it. it. No, I didn't like oh, that. Oh man, I, I like Star Wars good. better than that. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. I, nobody, I, I nobody not. liked that record. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm just much more of a like. I'm much more of like if he's doing twang and like going any sort of like all country. Uncle Tupelo days. Yeah. If, he's, yeah. If, if there's anything in there that's like remotely twangy, then I'm much more into it. And there's like there's there's much more of that on Schmilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's much more. It's much. It's folkier. And so is the solo album. But I respect that. I do respect that because Uh, I I do kind of like, like my favorite musical artists are guys or or people who have always sort of not rested on their laurels a little bit. uh, Right. Well, you know, I've said many, 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 many times David Bowie is my musical hero. Like, nobody had a run like that in the 70s like David Bowie. I mean, that shit was amazing. Uh, But even into the 80s, it's like, fuck it, I'll try something new. I'll get off cocaine and try something. I work with Brian Eno for three records and they're yeah. amazing records. Yeah. And uh, then they'll like get into the 80s and just like, yeah, I'll do some pop. I don't give a fuck. And it's like, I, I respect that more than anything else because he could have probably put out the same record again and again. Speaking of Dire Straits, there's more. It's like an all Dire Straits night. <laughs> this is a brilliant song, Tunnel of Love, by the way. Again, from their third record. Again, you were trying and, to get sued. No, I was giving it. Mark Malfer can sue we'll me. We'll edit this out, don't worry. <laughs> But, you know, Mark Knopfler can suck a dick these days, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as a songwriter. But he wrote this album, and it's a brilliant record. Okay. okay. Uh, now, I do I do think there's something about that, like, uh, not resting on your laurels, yeah. trying to do something different, even if it's going to alienate your poor audience. I think it's a lot harder for musicians, especially people that Probably. fall in love with you at a certain stage and then just... Yeah. They want you to do the same thing, but then get mad when you sound the same. Dylan. And then get mad when yeah. you like do something different. No, right? I, mean, I mean, it's it's just, talk about Dylan. Yeah, I know. I talk a lot of shit about Dylan. But I have to respect, like you know, he's he's the folky, and then he, he you know played an electric guitar. Everybody got freaked out, and then he you know he's doing Christmas records now, which apparently Jeff thinks are great. I don't, I don't give a shit, but you know. Uh, but I mean like my favorite musicians guys like you know Bowie Tom Waits like the guys I always talk about are guys who are doing different weird things that I don't always know if I can follow them yeah aren't there aren't there two isn't Tom Waits like a, a division of people yes right yeah yeah there's there's the right. early beatnik jazz piano no no I mean like I mean like people who either like the, the world can be separated oh, oh by people who like or dislike like, or just like absolutely right <laughs> And this is the scene. And this is it. This, this is, is it. This is there's the Jeff, <laughs> and then there's myself. Who I Tom Waits is one of my heroes. Yeah, and you don't like Tom Waits? I, I you just don't get it. I don't understand <laughs> it. I know what's the big deal. I don't know. Yeah, and it's fine. Yeah, no. I understand. Well, that we are like all them. we are all on the correct sides of the table, right? Probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. you I, I love Tom Waits. Okay. He's great. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, he's um, one of my heroes. But I I can also like I feel like if there was a, a river, I think I could go over to the other side and maybe talk to the non-Tom. Waits lovers? I, I do know, understand. No, I'm with you. I understand why. Stay on your side, <laughs> I understand why people don't like him the same way that I think I understand why I don't like Bob Dylan and people love him. Like, I feel like there's something about like Leonard Cohen, Elvis yeah. Costello. There's these artists who I think are very enigmatic and they just divide people. And I, I actually. Whatever shit I might talk about, like I respect that. Yeah. Same thing with like if we want to get back to books, even like when I read Let's reviews, do. we can we can go back to. I don't give a fuck. Let's talk about filmmakers next. Uh, look, I do feel like there's this thing where when there's divided opinions, I get interested though. Like I want yeah, to know no, where I fall. Thing. I want I know where I want to know where I fall on this shit. Yeah. Like oh, everyone either loves this guy or hates this guy. Where do I fall on this? Yeah. Um, but there are only I don't think there are as many of those people as we think there. Are. I mean, I do think Dylan is another one. But I think yeah. there are far more people who like Dylan than there are who, who aren't. Which I know I don't, I'm in the which minority. Which I don't think is the case with Tom Waits. I think you think so. I think yeah, people really I, like him more than they dislike him. I mean, I, go around asking this whole everyone in this bar. This bar, I see think, is an exception. This, this bar, they might crunchy. like him. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, there's a lot of Tom really? Waits in this bar, I've heard. Yeah. Okay, so well, you another... picked the right place, then. Oh, yeah. 
here's another one like another one that I know like Jeff and I uh, here's another divide that I think we have I don't know if we've ever talked about it because we've talked about the Dylan Waits thing a lot. But here's one we should bring up: uh, the replacements. And Husker Du. And Husker Du. I love Husker Du, but I've only recently started listening to them. Whereas the replacements are one of my favorite bands. Yeah, there's there's no question. Like, it's the other it's, way around. Yeah. And to him, it's like Husker Du is the mini, is the Minneapolis band. And you, are you a replacements fan at all? I don't not like them, but I also don't. Don't see what all of us yeah, are celebrating. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So the replacements for me, I'll tell you what it is about them that I love. And uh, this is a quick Kunin story. Um, so it's almost Christmas. And look, one of the best Christmases I've ever spent was here. Because I used to come here every Christmas Eve uh, with a mutual friend of ours, Ellen. Because we didn't really like do anything on Christmas Eve. I see my family on Christmas Day. So you got nothing to do. You go to Kunin's. There's not a lot of people here. And uh, I remember driving to this bar. Uh, to meet, you know, some friends at Christmas Eve and listening to the replacements album Tim the entire drive here because I was coming from the south side doing some shit. And, uh, like, I always associate Christmas with the replacements in this bar. And I think they're a brilliant band. I love them. And I think I realized why. I feel like I grew up with them. Like, I feel like that's a band populated with people that I knew in high school. Fuck-ups who can kind of play their instruments. Maybe they knew a couple of chords, but like they could somehow string together a pretty compelling song out of those four chords. Kind of like the reason people have developed underground. It's like, there's not a lot of chords changes there, but it's compelling shit. And the replacements to me are like drunk fucking losers who have no future, who somehow managed to shit out a few records that are brilliant. I mean, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like to me, to me, it was like, there was a big transition that happened in the late 80s for like my musical taste which is that it got good um, and <laughs> stop they, listening to Stacy Q uh, they were part of that um, the replacements in REM were part of that and that they both were so different than Def Leppard than like any glam rock than everything that was on the radio yeah. right and like so to me that was attractive right it, yeah. it was just like this is not I mean this is they, they just sounded so different to me you know yeah so that, that's that's what I found well Def Leppard Please to Meet Me was the, was the album that got Please to Meet Me is a good record uh, although it always makes me that's a sad record because uh, Bob Stinson was kicked out of the band which is like the, the ultimate example of like nobody could fuck up a guitar solo like that guy I mean, he would just go for it, and it was just barely, oh, God, Bob, you fucked up. But, like, the guy was on drugs, and he was had issues and developmental and mental issues. Yeah. And it's just, like, that's the ultimate epitome of that band. It's like, that guy, this guy who died way too young. And yeah. It was, yeah. Like, everything about that band, they shot themselves in the foot so many times. And uh, they never made a record that was really, like, the only record of theirs that sounds good is one of their earlier, like, shittier punk records that I love. Who Yanny is a great record but it sounds like that sounds like the replacements every record after that suffers from shitty production like huh every time like I think like like I think uh, Let It Be is a great record it's probably their masterpiece in a way but even that has got a couple of the songs where it's just like really you had to write a song like that yeah I agree like it's a great record and like you'll have this brilliant song followed by this like this like, like Tommy gets his tassels out it's kind of a stupid song it's like genius stupid yeah and then they made uh, Tim Tim should have been like one of the greatest records ever but it was produced uh, by I don't remember the drummer of the Ramones but it was Marky or Tommy Ramone who produced it but he was going deaf apparently so it <laughs> suffers from like shitty production and then they followed it up with Please Meet Me which sounds good and then that could have been like the launching pad and then they followed it up with Don't Tell Us So which sounds like the old, most 80s production ever it's like every record of theirs they needed a good producer and they never had it and it sounds like these like weird dated records but the songs are spunky and really really compelling if yeah. you strip away the bad 80s studio shit going on yeah like the ultimate hard luck band although they did fuck themselves off they I, I always thought 
like because I, I didn't you know I, I always thought that the, uh, the the storming off at Taste of Chicago was apocryphal oh, I just thought it was no like, it was it would happen I know yeah but Taste I, of Chicago I, I thought it, just, it was just like one of those stories that nope. like well because I didn't move here until uh, I moved here in 2001 so I mean they, that was like years ancient, that was ancient history that was like 93 right? yeah, yeah and so like I just thought that that it was like, a beautiful was just, and then I like I, I think I is there is there video like, no there's something? audio of it yeah. okay yeah, so yeah, I, I think I XRT. I heard that and then I was like they, they, they okay. played Hoot Nanny like, oh my god this is yeah. for real it's no this joke. really happened <laughs> they played the song Hoot Nanny really which is a which is a song that even on the record Hoot Nanny they all switched instruments so they sound doubly worse than they usually did because yeah. they were always kind of a passable band yeah. they barely knew how to play their instruments like Tommy Stinson was 16 when he joined and barely could play the bass and they all swapped instruments and on the record anyway so they did that live and then they just let the roadies slowly one by one take over uh, but even if you listen to that whole recording it's a very downer of a yeah. like, like there's a moment yeah. where Paul Westbrook says all right, here's another one you don't want to hear. Yeah, right. I don't want to hear it either. Yeah, right. Like before he plays the song, it's like, dude, like they're not doing themselves any favors on that tour yeah. on that record. And they just done. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of a perfect way for the band to go out. Yeah, but they came back. So. Well, did you hear about the last like the thing that Westberg pulled on the last tour? I think their comeback. He wore a T-shirt every day with a with a letter on it, and it spells out, "I've always loved you, but I not, but I have to pour my past." And so he was even commenting during yeah. the tour of like, this is me. I'm in it for the money. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, nothing wrong. One you're of the members is dead. Now, and it's not I'm like you're saying. fooling yeah. it. Well, I mean, no. like, of course you were in it for the money. Right. There's nothing like, wrong the drummer that. won't come back. Like, uh, Chris Mars is a sculptor, a sculptor now. He didn't come on the tour. Like, it's only two of the original members. It was yeah. kind of. It's like a lot well, of bands I, that I love that just like they're half the band they were. Yeah, true. <laughs> like Slayer. Yeah, I knew you were I was gonna go with Slayer. Slayer. I like that we can go from replacements to Slayer and like no breath whatsoever. <laughs> well, you mentioned REM. Um, uh, you're a Georgia boy. Yeah. Was that a big thing for you? Because R.E.M. was one of the biggest bands for me as a kid. Absolutely. Like, it was like, I, I, I loved them. Yeah, like, the amount of uh, adoration and attention I paid yeah. to them around like 89, 90, 91. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And uh, yeah, being, you know, uh, being growing up in Georgia, I think it was, it was a pretty big they were pretty big but um, um, yeah but it was a great I mean it was another discovery right I mean so and I wrote a, I wrote about this a little bit for um, the Large Hearted Boy website yeah. if you ever, um, so when I put together a playlist for this book it was all R.E.M. songs yeah I saw that um, and I talked about this and so I moved my my parents are from Perry, Georgia, small town, two hours south of Atlanta. And um, I was living in Texas until seventh grade. And so, but my dad wanted, we always wanted to move back. He lost his job. So we moved back there. Um, and so there were a lot of dramatic shifts that were taking place when I moved back to this small town. I lived in Fort Worth, Texas, which is much bigger than Perry, Georgia, obviously, because um, you've heard of one and not the other. Exactly. Um, but one of the things that, like, also happened was this shift in like my musical tastes right and like I discovered them then when I when I went there and this was 87 and so it was just like this they became like this thing that I could just like hold on to you know um, and, and have and have as something to talk to my peers about right you know so like one of my best friends to this day like we fell in love with Aria together and he, he pretty much introduced me to them and uh, yeah and it was just like they were pretty immutable back then. Yeah, that was just great. From like, I mean, I, I, I kind of dug back. After, I mean, like I first heard them uh, probably around the document. Yeah. And then you dug, you dig back a little bit. Right. Um, but I mean, from probably Life's Rich Pageant to Green, like those three records were so big to me. Like yeah. those are the most important records I've ever my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were they were just the best. And, and like, there was another, there was another. Um, division at the time like I feel like people either loved R.E.M. or they loved you too yeah yeah no no exactly like, those were the those were the two to, bands you're right you had to pick one if you're gonna be an alternative kid college rock yes yeah, college rocker right. you had to pick one <laughs> you too and it was always R.E.M. for me yeah me too and I, I mean I like I like you too a couple I songs did. but but and, and at the time but like now I cannot stand them 
Oh, R.E.M.? You too. Oh, you too? Well, I mean, you mean like like what they're currently doing? No. Like ever. Really? Well, not ever. Okay. Maybe like, I mean, like really, it's a really stuff. Songs like, of you know, um, like anything starting with the Joshua Tree after that. Well, I'm with you there. After, it's all like October and War Boy. Yeah, yeah. Now. That's that's okay. Yeah. But they were. If I ever hear Wizard like, Without You again, I'll fucking kill myself. <laughs> I feel like they were like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I knew uh, they, yeah. they were just always, they were always like, they, I feel like they were always arena rock, but I just didn't yeah, recognize you didn't, it. No, like, you're I just right. didn't get yeah. it. You know, as, as, as pretentious as Michael Stipe might've been, at points, he never could top Bono. No, they weren't. They're not an arena rock band. They're really not. Is and they always have been. So I feel like, like when I discovered that, I was like, oh, hmm. you've always been like. like that. I think I like 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 think about. You haven't that. changed. I've changed. <laughs> think about like the way Ariam got their name. They were in Georgia playing in you know Athens in this college town, and they had like several. They, they would just put a chalkboard out and let people give me give our band a name. And they just picked R.E.M. out of all that. Like, you two never did that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, it was funny how the division was. Like, it was... No, like, that's... There were, there were, like, and there were, like... And at that time in my life... Too, and kids who loved R.E.M. And I yeah. was, like... And at the time in my life, I didn't give a shit about you two too much. Like, a couple of tunes. But R.E.M., I was so... Like, I, I, like, I used to listen to uh, Dead Letter Office <laughs> obsessively, which is, like, not a record you should listen to obsessive well I mean right. it's a collection of like yeah, it's, it's a like collection size. of B-sides. things that are yeah, right. it's all yeah, B-sides I mean, it's like it's but aptly like, named right? but I've been listening to it like oh wow like you know like Wind Out and all these songs that are just bandwagon now. yeah just yeah. there's Come no reason to like obsessive I promise you won't hurt the horse but didn't they really Treat Chronic Town well, after they were feeding as part well. of that on the CD they did yeah. which is how I first heard yeah. Chronic Town which is a great record uh, Wolves yeah, Lower. Yeah, I talked about that. Yeah, I had like gardening at night. White cassette. Oh, the cassette. And it yeah, was like it was just yeah. over and over again in my first car. Yeah. Like, Although I probably listened to the song "Crazy," which is a Pylon cover. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like Pylon was a great band. Oh, I must have listened to that a million times. Yeah. That's a good cover. That's a good song. Yeah. It's one of their better. Uh, there's a lot of covers on that Deadly Office, but that's probably the best thing REM did in that record. When I really think about it objectively, yeah. like, that's just. I haven't listened to that in a while. You're going to listen to it tonight. It's, it's so good. I actually had a phase, uh, and then I stopped listening to them, uh, like around Monster. Well, actually, did I tell you, I met two of the members, and it was like, I stood in line outside of WXRT Studios uh, with a bunch of other fucking weird alternative kids. Uh, the night before Out of Time was released, we were all like, oh, man, because they were being interviewed on XRT. It was, it was uh, uh, Peter Buck and Mike Mills. And we were like, oh, we're going to wait outside. We're going to get their autographs. And I did. I got their autographs. I got pictures. I got all that shit. Some fucking asshole was out there with an acoustic guitar. And he runs up to Peter Buck. He goes, can you show me how to play Driver 8? And he's like, all right. And he's just all fucking right. the fastest Driver <laughs> he 8 you've it. ever heard. It was like Slayer speed. It was like, <laughs> he just fucking ran through. And he goes, and then you go to E minor. And then you go to G. And then fucking here you go. And he gives me the guitar back. But I was like, I met him. I shook his hand. I got autographs. I'm like, R.E.M.'s the best. I love these guys. I fucking, oh, they're the greatest. And then the next day, I, I go to buy the record because it didn't come out yet. And I fucking buy the cassette of Out of Time. And I'm like, boy, this sucks. Out of, time, out of Time's a shitty record. It's a bad record. I don't think it's bad. I don't love that record. I mean... And that's where I started to fall out of love a little bit. I can see that happening, but I don't think it's bad. Um, I think there's good songs on it now. It's not as bad as some of the stuff they put out in the like, 2000s. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, after true. Bill Berry left, they were not. That it's was, not yeah, that was the last. Yeah. Collapse in uh, But I mean, looking back on it, it's probably not as bad a record as I think, but that's when I started to feel like, hmm. you know, maybe I was seeing them as fallible as opposed to yeah. seeing them as these gods. I mean, yeah. We're like enigmatic that. and weird, and I love them. And, yeah. But yeah, I think that's I mean, good. You know, I think it certainly sounds different than the other albums. To go from like you yeah. know hair shirt, I will turn you inside out. Like all yeah. these songs in green that I think. But are there's some good songs on there. I mean, there's even some like this, the album that did that to me was Monster. But even now, when I listen to Monster, I think there are Monster's songs on there that I really like. Yeah, yeah Monster's right? actually. But like at the time, was a return was like, to form I just for didn't, me. I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. I think when it came out. I didn't like Automatic for the People even. Oh, I love that. But like Monster kind of brought me back. I liked a couple yeah. songs from Automatic. Yeah. 
I, you know, that's how it is, though. Like, I don't think I knew you were an RAF fan. I was the big. I had posters I did not on my know wall. That at all. I this had is the, great. Okay, like, so I had. Now we have this, Vince. I had. We will always have our <laughs> This is what a fan I was. I went out and bought this T-shirt for the for Turn You Inside Out. Do you know the Turn You Inside Out T-shirt? So on Green is a great record. I think Green is yeah, a fucking is solid. Awesome. It was it was like their poppy record. And, it, and Michael Stapp was like, yeah, we wrote some pop songs. Pop, pop song 89. You know, pop song 89, yeah. Stand. Oh. Un- unashamed. Right, I mean, like, Stand is on there. So but it's like, a brilliant uh, song. Uh, in a way. It's a video. Stand. Okay, go ahead. Anyway. I love it. I do think that song's uh, fine. But, when they, but the song on that record that always stood out to me, besides World Leader Pretend, which is brilliant, yes. is uh, Turn You Inside Out. I yeah. thought that was a rocker. That's a straight fucking raging yeah. song. Yeah, uh, Peter Buck's guitar is awesome. It's just drums are killing. Yeah. And so I went to... right now. I know we should put it on. Come on, come on! It would be so no serendipitous. Yes, let's get to REM. Yeah. So I, I was at the mall, the suburban Chicago Ridge Mall, and I saw the you know the record store. They had REM T-shirts, and they had the Turn You Inside Out shirt. And it was just like it was an Inside Out shirt. You knew that because the tag was on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a white shirt, and it had a black and white like Michael Stipe holding a megaphone to his mouth, right. bullhorn. And I'm like, I and I bought it, and I wore that thing probably for like weeks on end. Just walking around, and I remember my aunt was like, oh, "I hate this shirt because she kept grabbing the tag." Yeah, it's like I don't like that it's on the outside. I'm like, but it's turned inside out. You don't fucking get it. Get it, you oldster. And, and in my head, I'm like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever owned." Like, I will never take this garment off. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm still working on this beer. No, I love that. I, REM at the time was was about as important to me as anything you can. You can yeah, but that's great, Vince. Me too. Yeah, they were pretty big. They were, and uh, it's okay. Like, even though, like, like I think they peaked at Green. I think they peaked probably at, like, Life's First Pageant and Document and then Green, and then they kind of, I started losing interest after that. Um, but, it, I mean, you know, I'm willing to admit they've got, they, they took some chances and did some weird shit. Yeah, and, there, and there's still some good songs. No, there are like definitely you would probably say. Yeah, I mean, I, my wife and I have this argument all the time, because she's like, Green is it. I don't like Green is, after that, it's, they're done. And I'm like, they're not done after that. That is my um, dividing line, but they're not done. Right. But they're, that's where I stopped being yeah. a, a rabid fan. Yeah, I get that. I mean, you can tell things change a lot. They do. I do think uh, I never need to hear like losing my religion again. But, but, I, think, but I think losing my religion is like one of the greatest pop songs ever. I think it's so perfect, which might be part of its problem. But to me, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's great songs on that record, actually. Like yeah, Texarkana, No, I think are great. But I do think there's something about like I love the early mobile. I love the fact that you can understand Stipe's record. I love the fact that I still don't know what some of the lyrics are to Aria. Yeah, there aren't any lyrics. There weren't any. I mean, like you can look them up on the internet, but like no. I never had. It's just like people making shit up, yeah. right? Gardening I mean, like, at night, whatever. Yeah. yeah, okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I mean, it was mostly syllabic, right? I mean, yeah. like, you know. There's moments of REM's early records, though, that have. Like, I remember in the 90s when I was really, you know, like young and when this shit was really important to me. Like, being. Like, I was going to go to a party with my friends, and before we were listening to Murmur, and we, like, pulled up in the car to go to this party where we were probably going to listen to, like, you know, Metallica. Uh, Slayer and the shit that I was also very into and uh, before we walked in um, Perfect Circle came on because that was the song that was next and uh, I was like no we can't leave yet and all of us sat in the car silently listening to Perfect Circle uh, already like three or four beers in because we were drinking on the way and we were about to go to a party and get wild but it's like this is a moment when we're team no no, I was probably about 19 or 20 and it's like, no, shut up, fuckers. We're listening to Perfect Circle. And we just sat there listening. And like, I didn't cry, but I probably could have. Yeah. We were just like in my car in the suburbs. And uh, that was just a perfect moment. And like when, when Stipe says like a perfect circle of acquaintances and friends, yeah. I'm like, that's fucking us. I'm like, we're, that's <laughs> us. He's singing about us. R.E.M.'s great. <laughs> talking about midlife crises as we jump back in like i have no going out to buy a motorcycle thing um maybe this is my midlife crisis the podcast podcast yeah 
relatively safe one. Yeah, yeah I figure it's not hurting anyone. No. Out till like nine something on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we're, we're killing <laughs> it here. Wild. Well, I'm on break right it? now, so that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally just turned in my final exams today, so. That's good. Officially. Oh, did you? Well, you know, Mark Marin had this joke about his midlife crisis was uh, he was buying a lot, like a really expensive tube amplifier to play records on. He's like, look, it's my midlife crisis. He goes, he goes, I can't fuck it, and I won't snort it, so it's not really going to do me any harm. Right? How I, bad? Could I, be? I, I could be worse midlife crises. Yeah, I could try to snort it and fuck it. That's going to get ugly. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's, to me, I think midlife. It's just the stuff I spend money on is always the same shit. Food and books. Food and books. So there's this book that I want to buy. I'm going to make my wife buy it for me. I think. Um, it's called Anniversaries, uh, and it's this huge two-volume in a slipcase, giant, like, thousand-page fucking giant book that I really want to buy. Um, it just got translated and released, like, this year by a German writer, and I guess the plot is it's uh, the year 1968, and this woman moves from Germany to New York City with her daughter. And, it's, and she keeps a diary. It's a fake diary. It's, you know, it's fiction. Yeah. But it's every day from 19, from like October to October 67 to 68. And uh, like, I think the writer just intended it to be like, I'm going to write in this character's voice for a year, not realizing that 1968 was going to be such a fucked up year. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to see like, you know, um, Robert Kennedy shot, MLK shot, like all these like Paris riots, uh, people, like students slaughtered in Mexico city. Like, you know, the, 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 the Czech, uh, you know, spring, uh, again, rebelling against the Soviets. Like, mm-hmm. So many things in history were going on in that year. And, uh, it's supposed to be like this staggeringly strange, non-linear compelling piece of fiction that I really want to I really want to get so this is the midlife crisis sort of thing for me is like buying big books that I need and never read <laughs> giant books <laughs> your, just to put on the your shelf your midlife crisis is so like they're so tame a podcast I should get a, giant books I should get a Harley <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a dick tattoo no I mean I you know, I, 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 I don't have you one a so, I mean, I'm not willing to talk but um I think it's harder for you to pull off a midlife crisis because you got a kid. Well, yeah, but that doesn't stop a lot of people. I, mean, you know. I feel like if I had a kid, it would stop me more. Yeah. Nah. I might drive it more. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, shit, I'm a dad now. I'm responsible yeah. for a life. Uh, I really got to get that fucking right. neck tattoo. Right. Yeah. My wife's was a tattoo. Yeah, she went to New York and like, like, just was like... I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to New York to get a tattoo. I was like, why do you have to go to New York? She was like, well, there's nobody I like around here. So she like researched the whole thing. Like, Instagram is filled with tattoo artists, right? And yeah. so like, so she found someone. She's like, this woman who's, who does the thing that I want is in New York. So that's where I'm going to get this done. So she went to New York with a friend of hers for a weekend. That's pretty bad. Tattoo all over. Is it a beautiful tattoo? It's beautiful. It's okay. gorgeous. Yeah. So then maybe she did that. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I might argue this local artist that do well. That's what I kept saying. Yeah. I was like, but she's like, no, this is the person yeah. I want. This is like, so if you know what you want. And I do, I mean, yeah, there are plenty of tattoo artists in Chicago. Do you have any? But do I have any? Yeah. I have a really bad one on my shoulder. Really? I didn't yeah. Obviously, I've never seen your shoulder. Right. I've never seen you at the gym with your shirt off. So. Yeah, usually when I'm at the gym, my shirt is off. Okay. Yeah, I'm that kind of guy. That guy. Yeah. Right when I walk in, I'm taking my shirt off. In the mirror, make yourself. Yeah. Always yeah. <laughs> hanging out, you Shit you want to say? Uh, Where's wisdom? Pearls of wisdom to share? I, I have not. I know you got a website, JeremyTWilson.com. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There's. <laughs> do you have a? Do you, do you do any like Instagram, Twitter bullshit? Um, I know you're on Facebook because I know how your Facebook. Yeah, is. yeah. And I, uh, I, you know, Twitter is just like this necessary evil. I think. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't do a lot on it, but I'm on it. So that I can say, hey, I just did this podcast with my friend Vince. Why don't you check it out? There you I go. Mean, you know, well, that's where things it. like that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a very, I, 
I can't get this. It's a love-hate thing. I mean, I, you know, some, some things I like about it, but then I, I, I sometimes I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand Twitter. I, don't I know. I mean, I'm like showing our age here, I guess. It's no, like, a little bit. I don't understand well, the Twitter. Well, I'm like, on what, what is the Twitter? You tweet? Yeah, you, you tweet? You don't tweet? I don't, I don't. What is this? Where can one find your book? Uh, I, you know, one can find my book in Chicago. Yes. At various bookstores. Or, um, or you can you can order it from the Tortoise Books website. Yes, which direct, you from, direct from the publisher, which is probably the best way to do it. Which you should. Tortoise does um, great work. Yeah, um, so you can get it there, and you can also get it from IndieBound, which will support your local independent bookstore. So yeah, those are the ones that I would suggest. Um, Tortoise, by the yeah. way, is a Rogers Park-based publisher. Yeah, there you go. For the record, so we like to support uh, that. Yeah. Have you read? Uh, you've read other indie, other uh, Tortoise authors, right? Yes. Obviously, yeah. uh, Alex Sigley. I know you're friends with. Yeah, his book is great. Um, and I read Darren Doyle's collection, which I know we've yeah, talked about. Yeah, Darren Doyle's which, great. Yeah, which I think is both really, is, really good. Both his collections are great. Did you read uh, his first one? The, no, I just read the one that just came out. Scoundrels Among Us. So, like, his book came out like a week before mine. Yeah. So, um, or a couple of weeks. But I, I, got, I really uh, liked it. Oh, it was super good. Check out the one that came before that uh, Jerry published yeah. called The Dark Little Something in the Dark. Yeah. It's, I love that book. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and I've read, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read some of Gianno Cromley's stories. Okay. He put that out uh, last year, I think. And I read uh, Carla Matos' uh, series of uh, sort of, yeah, it's essays. Um, yeah. Uh, the Quitters, I think that yeah, one's called. Yeah. Um, that one's really good, too. So, and, uh, but he's putting out good stuff. He is Christina Sneed. Yeah, I read her book. I mean, I read it before it was on Tortoise. Like, oh, she just, he just got the paperback. Version, okay. So, um, yeah, you're saying good stuff. You're in good company, that is for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... It, yeah, it's putting some good stuff out. So, wonderful. Feel good. Wonderful. Any last uh, words of wisdom you want to impart? No pressure. Just make it profound. Don't drink and drive. Yeah, that's... Yeah, well, that's yeah. Don't do that. So, okay, how much time do we have here? Four and a half minutes. So in four and a half minutes, uh, we should we should close with this because that is your your inscription in my book. <laughs> and we had started this off by talking about how every time I'm with you, there is alcohol involved, like tonight. There uh, doesn't have to be though. I that's mean, the thing I realized. Okay. Yeah. Like you have seen me fairly drunk. I mean, yeah. Um, because you've seen me uh, at a mutual friend's house where I'm drinking a lot of scotch. Yeah. So I kind of feel like for a while there, every time you saw me, I was kind of really drunk. Kind of really drunk. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I feel like that's sort of like color of your view of who I am. Oh, Vince, no. It's okay. No. It's understandable. No. But I mean, that, that is <laughs> I part... I no respect for you. Yeah, that. I, know, right. yeah. I, mean, that's... I never had any good for No. I mean, like, why... why... What am I doing there that you're not doing there? Well, I'm getting a little... I feel like I'm always drunker than you are and Gary is. Like, I feel like I'm the drunkest person in the room. That's probably true. Yeah, and a little bit. Like, yeah. Gary's drinking white wine because he's older and has a heart condition. And you're drinking, you know, like, you're smart drinking. Where I'm like, oh, there's free booze. I'm pounding <laughs> scotch. Like, fuck, I didn't drive. Like, I'll take an Uber. Like, yeah, well, and then that's why, like... I drop you off near your house. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's it's good. I don't think I'm going to do that it's the good. next time because I'm like, uh, You I'm did last alone. time. Yeah, I did. I, right. Last time I took it easy. Yeah. Um, but there have been times where it's like five scotches in. Yeah. And like that's, silo cups full of scotch and ice. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it's, bad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not where you want to be. No, but, you know, once in a blue moon, you blow off some steam. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. here's the thing. Like, the times that you're talking about, we see Gary, like, three times a year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like a holiday, if a you want to think about it that yeah. way, right? Yeah. I mean, so so you can be justified in, uh, in, in taking, a, that much taking a little extra. Oh, God. I just remember, like, that's... The drunkest I've ever been was not at Gary's, but maybe the third drunkest I've ever been was at Gary's. <laughs> That's not good wow, because this is really? good. That, yeah. Impressive. Yeah, that's good though. 
I mean, if, if that's the case, then that's that's actually pretty good. Like you, a, you've never been. I've never had to like carry you to the elevator. No, I've never been like so, vomiting in the street, which right. happened to me, you know, right. before. But like, did I tell you about the time someone flashed me when I was leaving Gary's? Oh no! Yeah, we need to start new. <laughs> we don't have to go much further. We need to. Yeah, if we like, need to start new, I need to get this. Say, like, we'll edit this in. We need to Yeah, time we, we left yeah, Gary. Sorry, so, okay, so Gary is a mutual friend of uh, Jeremy and myself, uh, who's a playwright. Uh, we'll say his name is Gary Slazak. I don't give a fuck. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and say his name. And uh, Gary has a salon of three, which is me, Jeremy, and Gary. We just get together at Gary's uh, apartment and uh, get loaded and talk about uh, mostly literature, but other shit. You guys talk about baseball and I tune out. Yeah, but we do also talk about literature and writing what we're working on, and it's nice and it's very, it feels good to sort of go there and and, 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 and you know feel that support. But what happened when we usually when we go there, I get really fucked up, and the end of the night is like I got to go home because I'm too drunk to talk anymore. And uh, Jeremy and I will split a Lyft or a Uber. Yeah, or I sometimes I drive. Yeah, yeah, I remember but that if, a few times. Right. I stop um, driving because I know I'm going to get drunk. Right, but if I do drive, just, you know, in case my mom's listening, what I do is I bring, like, a bottle of wine, and Gary and I split the bottle of wine, and then I drive home. So well, that's I, all I'm yeah. having. And I feel and like so a drunk take, because yeah. I drink a bottle, half a bottle of whiskey, yeah. of scotch. Right. I drink. don't do that if I'm driving. No. Um, Next time I go, I'm bringing a bottle of red wine and calling it. And so, obviously, the time that I'm talking talking about you had not had enough scotch because I left before you oh I've stayed later than you yeah, know, a few times I was like okay I'm leaving and so I get in my car and I'm parked um, is he on Superior yeah Erie, Erie. Erie. no Ontario yeah. Ontario, Ontario. Yeah. I, I, one of those fucking great lakes it's like it's a great lake to the lake and when you get over there downtown close to the lake there's like nothing over there Right. I mean, there's no, there's no, like really. just high rises. Streeterville. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's like nothing there. So I'm parked on the street and there's no one around. And I get in my car and I'm, I'm putting in the directions. Like, I don't even know why I need the directions. I just get on, I get on Lake Shore. Lake Shore like, I just North. take a couple of rights and I just go. Yeah. But I'm putting it in on my phone. But um, <laughs> before that, let me back up. Before that, I start, I, I'm walking out to my car and I see there's a, the only people in the street, there's a couple. There's a, there's a man and a woman down the street. Like, okay, whatever. I get in my car. And I've been looking at my phone. And then I get that sense, you know, that someone's looking at you. Yeah. You, you know, you can tell when someone is, you know. And so I look up, and there, the woman who I had seen with this man is standing next to my car. And she looks at me, and she just picks her shirt up. Oh. Yeah. It just flashes. It just flashes me. <laughs> With a big smile on her face. <laughs> like, see what you're missing, fucker? I don't know what she's like. <laughs> I can honestly say, Vince, I have no idea what she was like. Like, what was going on? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm just like, uh, I, I know how to get on Lakeshore now, so I'm going to be seeing you. Wow. Streeterville, all neighborhoods. Right? Totally. Yeah, weird. like, I don't see that there. Yeah. Was it a prostitute? Uh, no, I think that, like, something, I, I don't know. My, my guess is she was, like, with this dude and they were probably like drinking like because like what else do people do and he was probably like I dare you to go flash that guy (laughs) and she's like fuck it yeah that's the only thing I can imagine that's yeah that's because they were the only people on the street like she didn't just like maybe and here's what happens when things like that occur to you like when like when (laughs) things in slow motion suddenly yeah when things happen (laughs) and I start to pull away I'm like Talk, to go back to our memoir conversation, right? I'm like, did that happen? Like, is that... <laughs> Do like, I need to was, it, this? was it real? <laughs> right, and you start to question, like... That never happens. Like, no one just... Like, really? Well, and so you just kind of... I was like, I mean, the whole way home, and the farther away I got from it, I was like... I don't know that I can like tell that story and really believe that it happened. And it's not. Let me guess. It's, it's not an awesome. You're 15 and you you wish to God some girl would flash you story. It's more like it's not like I just saw a tit. It's more like what the fuck was that? Like, so so here's the thing, guys. Don't show your dick to anybody. No, never. <laughs> Nobody wants to see your dick. Right? Because no, I didn't no. like this. 
Because I'm here yeah. now. I mean, this thing is weird. It's like, no, I didn't ask you to show me that. Get away from me. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I want to go home. Get away from me. It's not awesome. Like you think it's not awesome. It's you dreamt about it 15. Do you know, did I ever tell you about the only time it was I ever not got cool. It was not a shower with Kelly LeBrock. No. Did I ever tell you about the only time I got flushed? You got flushed too. Yeah. Well, this is not a good story. Oh. Well, neither was mine. But well, no, this is worse. I oh. I'm going to guarantee you. So years ago, uh, I was on the, the Brown Line when I used to live off the Ravenswood, and it was rush hour, packed train, and uh, this homeless woman who um, I later found out was kind of a local legend. It was Crazy Mary. I was on the train and she was singing a song uh, that was just fucking crazy, schizophrenic, whatever the fuck is wrong with her. And she kept singing like, step to me, you will be killed. <laughs> like fucking crazy, crazy song. And everyone in the train's uncomfortable. We're all looking around. <laughs> and I'm sitting down and everyone's standing and I can't see her. But I really want to see who this lunatic on the train is. And we get to the Sedgwick stop and she gets off the train because I hear her like, fuck out my way, bitch. Pushing people. And she gets off the train and I'm like, I gotta see what this woman looks like. And I look on the platform and I see her. And she's this short, troll-looking, homeless woman. And she looks at me and she sees me looking at me. You know what I'm talking about? Short hair and fucking rat face. Like, ah. Crazy Mary oh, looks at me. Went, oh, that crazy! And she, and that's when she does it. She lifts up her shirt and shows me. Shut up! Her sagging, no. bruised no. tits. No. And just goes with the fucking like tongue out. Goes ah. And just like jiggling. Well, I work for the Gold Coast. I would see her all the time, and that's why she probably goes off at such. Yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. I've seen her since then. Have you? Oh well, well that's the thing. I saw her. I'm like. This homeless woman just showed me her tits. And then she just sort of like made this face with the tongue out. And then I'm like, I I don't know what the fuck to make of this. Like she would just fuck you. Yes. Well, I saw her a few years later when I was on a smoke break at work in the loop, and I recognized her because I never forgot that face. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's that woman who flashed me years ago on the fucking brown line. And she saw me looking at her and she walked up to me and she goes, why are you looking at me? I'm like, I'm not. She goes, you want to fuck me? I said, no. She goes, fuck off. And she walked away. And uh, like years later, my friends who were psych majors who became like, you know, social workers and psychiatrists, like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing with schizophrenics. Like, it's all about sex. It's, it's very much rooted in that sexual expression of like, uh, th- that's how they express a lot of their fucking insanity. And so she flashed me and she, you know, years later. Yeah, she flashed me. I saw her homeless breasts. So I used to say it's well, homeless I mean, going wild. Her breasts had a home. They had a home. They had a home yeah. and a sweater. But she could have kept him home, but she she let him out. She would stand up the window and just like Yeah, she would give the finger a lot. Yeah. Uh, there's another woman named Eileen. Do you know Eileen who also yells at people? She used to see me on the red Eileen, line. Like, who also yells at people. No, people who know I like my wife has been has been almost assaulted by her. Oh, no. She walked up to me in the red line once and she's just screaming at me. She goes, Hey, four eyes. I'm like, hello. She goes, Why are you following me? I'm like, I'm not. She goes, You're following me. And then she yelled her name, Eileen, something Polish. Uh, and then but apparently like there's the YouTube videos of her all over the blue line, like she's just a woman who rides a train and yells at people. Like they're out there. Wow. Chicago, baby. It's city, what it does to people. Yeah. Any last minute uh, uh, comments? No, I have, n- I have nothing. Thank you, Vince, for uh, having me here to drink beer with you. Of course. Thanks for coming and drinking yeah. beer. On a Wednesday talking. night. Yeah, this is exactly what you want to do in your 40s, just drinking on exactly. Wednesday night. Exactly. You have to go to work tomorrow? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. But I do have to grade a lot of things. Yeah, well, yeah, so that'll go better. Yeah, it's fine. I can sit in my office at home and do that. So. Any last minute uh, like recommendations, books, music, stuff you're into? No. What are you no, reading right now? We've done it. What am I reading right now? I just finished... Uh, I see this is going to suck because I can't say her name. I feel like I'm butchering everyone's name tonight. Um, I read The Lonesome Bodybuilder, which is a series of short stories by a Japanese author. Her name is uh, Yokiko Motoya. Motoya, maybe? Sorry. Sorry, Yokiko. I'm looking at you like you're in this machine here. Um, (laughs) 
It's awesome. Super okay. good. The Lonesome Bodybuilder. Yeah, I just read So that's what I just finished. What about you? What are you reading? I'm reading in this great uh, short story collection. I finished your short story collection today. I'm reading uh, the Pinching Book, Gravity's Rainbow. I'm reading. Uh, I, I can't wait to read uh, this book called um, Codex 1962 by uh, I think it's Ceylon. It's an Icelandic writer. That's the next on my list to read. Cool. So stuff like that. You know the weird shit that I usually read. Yeah, great. Anniversaries. That other book by the German writer's name I can't remember. Louis Johnson or something like that. And I'm not listening to anything uh, music-wise. Uh, uh, I rewatched the Wet Hot American Summer movie, and I can't <laughs> stop listening to the song uh, "Into the Fire," which is a bullshit '80s rock song that uh, is from that soundtrack. That's all I've been listening to all week. Show me the fever into the fire, taking it higher and higher. So that's all I've been listening to. That's good. That's good. And uh, um, rewatch. Seriously, like I went to Christmas with my family this weekend, and they uh, bought me shit from my Amazon um, wish list. And uh, one of the things they bought me was the complete DVD of The State, which is a 1990s comedy sketch show. Uh, so that's what I'm watching all week is uh, episodes of The State, um, and I'm feeling like I'm 22 again. Great, reliving some nostalgia. That's about it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, fuckers.